Good afternoon. This will be a podcast of different sorts. I'm going to give my uh, armchair quarterback understanding uh, to you, uh, share with you my view on inflation, debt, and interest rates. Uh, we've been tracking these uh, variables over the last several years, and they've had obviously a dramatic impact on our markets. Um, but I'm going to do my best to sort of digest what has happened and what may happen here in the near future. We'll start with what happened in the past. We had a, a big inflationary impulse that was twofold. It started mostly with the COVID shutting down of global production, uh, manufacturing, transportation. That COVID response by governments around the world was catastrophic in our ability to source products, to manufacture products, to transport those goods, and led to its very own inflationary impact on the market. Right behind that was the monetary phenomena where we had the total collapse in business activity. It led to an incredibly swift uh, collapse in global economies that was met and offset with huge financial stimulation from the federal government, from our Federal Reserve, from uh, Federal Reserves all around the world. And so they flooded the markets with a lot of money. So there was a fiscal component of inflation that both came together that led to a super spike inflation of inflation from this 1% to 2% target up to 9 to 10% here in the United States. Uh, much higher levels uh, globally and um, you know the government already has modified their uh, inflation metric and how they calculate it I think from the average consumer at one point some pundits were saying that the actual inflation impact on the average consumer was closer to 20 to 25 percent but nonetheless <clears throat> a lot of the COVID uh, based influences on the market have uh, come down. Uh, we have reopened supply chains. We have reopened manufacturing. We have reopened ports. Uh, crude oil prices have fallen uh, thanks to active management by the U.S. government and the release of the SPR. Um, and so, you know, a combination of uh, more free flowing business activity and outright government manipulation of crude oil, which is a heavy, heavy component. Uh, integral part of inflation and, and the, the products that it produces have come down quite a bit. So that part of inflation has healed. It's not 100%. We still have supply chain disruptions in a lot of parts, in a lot of equipment. Um, and so that probably will not fix itself for quite a while. And the resulting increase in those prices is most likely never to come back down again. We are not going to have a big depreciation in equipment prices or parts or labor anytime soon. It would take an incredibly big recession to pull all of those things down. But for now, these new prices, they are part of our life and we are stuck with them. All you have to do is go out in everyday life and every part of our life is now more expensive. Uh, everything we touch, all our goods, our services, you go to a restaurant and you cannot feed a family under $100 in any kind of small, medium-sized restaurant anymore. The service is not very good. You can't get good labor. 
And, and so, you know, between that and uh, insurance cost and education cost, every component of our lives have gone up and are not probably coming down anytime soon. So that's the new reality. The, the actual cost of, of transporting goods has come down, um, and so that will help. Uh, we have uh, housing prices that have skyrocketed due to the stimulus part of this, and that has now um, come. You know, cost of housing has exploded with interest rates that are no longer at three and a half to four percent interest, but now at seven to eight percent interest, and that, with along with high-priced housing, has got the housing component very, very highly priced. Um, the, the bad news for the housing market uh, and our ability to add supply is twofold. Number one, 40% of all houses are paid for and have no mortgage. And with high interest rates, those people will not move, will not generate new supply in the market. And, and 60% of all existing mortgages have rates locked in below 4%. These people will not move and create new supplies on the market. So we're basically caught in a housing market where the only supply we're going to get are small percent of people moving because they're relocated and a small uh, build out of new housing. Uh, and, and that will continue to keep the supply side undersupplied. The demand side will be challenged with record high interest rate and record high house prices. So the turnover ratio on housing will be slow and, and ultimately that housing component, uh, all workers related to housing, will eventually continue to slow down. As far as the Federal Reserve and their response, um, you got to understand the numbers, just some really quick data. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet after we came out of the COVID, excuse me, out of the Great Recession in 2008-9, their balance sheet jumped from a, a modest half a trillion dollars uh, up to about four trillion dollars and that money was used to reliquify the system after the great financial crisis in 2008 and 9 and then it slowly rallied until we got into the covid response where their balance sheet jumped and basically doubled in about two years to about eight and a half trillion dollars and so they now have uh, a very large influence in this market and so they injected some $4 trillion into the global economy during the Great Recession. Uh, they are slowly working that balance sheet down from a high at $8.7 trillion down to $8.1. But that drawdown is very, very slow and very methodical. And so they continue to be a, a, just a huge part of the economy. Where things get very interesting is with the federal government and their balance sheet. Uh, we came out of the great financial crisis with their debt load at around $11 trillion at the end of 2009 as they too stepped in and helped reliquify the system. Um, and then that slowly rallied <clears throat> up to about $23 trillion in 2020. So it doubled in about 10 years from 2009 to 2020 and peaked at around $23 trillion. Then COVID hit. And we had uh, another uh, financial crisis where the federal government came in, stepped in with huge payments to individual families, corporations, PPP loans, and that their balance sheet jumped from 23 to 32. We now sit at 
trillion dollars of national debt. That is a hundred thousand dollars of of debt for every single citizen in the United States. The only reason why that uh, impact on the federal budget was mitigated was with the drop in interest rates. So we took uh, the Fed funds rate that was sitting at around five or six percent after the great financial crisis, and they lowered it down to zero. So even though the federal government's balance sheet basically tripled from 2009 to current, uh, interest on that debt was uh, kept under control by lowering rates from five to six percent where we were during the great financial crisis down to zero. And that allowed the Fed to keep the balance, uh, the federal budget balanced. The problem is, in order to fight this new wave of inflation that completely engulfed the U.S. economy and globally, the Federal Reserve has chosen to raise rates back up. And so we've gone from uh, rates that were in March of 2020 at 0.2%, that's right, a quarter of 1% on the Fed funds rate, now sits at 5.12%. And so that, that interest component is going to be a bigger and bigger factor on the federal balance sheet. Now, right now, the government has a fair amount of debt, 40% of it, on, at about a one-year rate, which has will roll over here from this low 1% to 2%, and will have to get refinanced at closer to 5%. And then we have 75% of our debt is in the five-year duration. That includes that, one per, that 42% in one year. And over the next five years, basically 75% of the federal government's debt will have to roll over to these new, much higher rates. Now, you guessed it, with that very high uh, deficit, the interest component on our federal balance sheet, federal government balance sheet, is about to skyrocket. And it will move from where we sit now at about $470 billion dollars easily exceeding a trillion dollars here in the next several years. Now, right now, that interest payment is about the size of the education department, housing, and the veterans all combined. What is terrifying is if this rate hike uh, stays locked in, that payment will jump to over a trillion, and that will be much larger than the defense budget. Now, that's assuming that the economy holds together, GDP holds in there, and taxes hold in there. If for some reason the, um, we enter into a recession and tax receipts fall, then that debt payment will consume the budget and be much higher percentage. Where I'm going with all of this is that we are getting closer and closer to the end game on the government's ability to manage the debt and the government's ability to pay for that debt. And really, the, they have two choices here going forward. They can either default on that debt and they will probably most likely never do that. You saw Moody's lower the federal government's debt rating, um, credit rating from AAA to AA+. Uh, they're basically doing the same math I just went through here with you, saying that at some point here, our credit worthiness is going to fall. And that is a concern as global markets continue to shy away from uh, pay, buying U.S. treasuries which help fund our debt. China has announced that they are cutting. Saudi Arabia, Japan. So there is a global movement away from buying U.S. debt. 
And so the only person that can step up and buy that debt is the Federal Reserve. And so that's having like Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And eventually we're going to have to make a choice here whether we default on that debt, which is not going to happen uh, because then, you know, the currency would collapse completely and send this country into a tailspin greater than the Great Depression. I give that probability a very low percentage. What is more likely to happen is that the federal government will inflate our debt away. And the way you do that is you ultimately have to lower the currency and thereby lowering the cost of your obligations um, over the long run. And that inflation, that will lead to a, a greater bout of inflation at some point down the road. So where do we go from here? I think right now the Federal Reserve uh, is trying their best to fight inflation. They missed the mark. They got too cute. We've talked about that in the past. And so they had to turbocharge rate hikes to kill inflation. Rates are now at 5%. That is flowing through the economy. Uh, it is crippling business activity. It is crippling loan activity. But the consumer remains relatively resilient. They are getting pay raises. Uh, they are holding in there. The demographics of the United States, as these baby boomers retire, uh, are creating more and more job openings. So we will be deficit employees for a number of years. And so that's what's keeping this thing glued together are the wages and the low uh, unemployment rate. But at some point, we have to deal with this high uh, interest payment on the government debt. And the only way they can fix that is to start lowering rates. And so the market right now is currently anticipating the Fed rates to stay high through the end of the year, through December into January, where rates will ultimately peak at 5.3%. Now, the market's not done a very good job uh, picking the time frame of this rate uh, cut. They, they felt like that these rate hikes would ultimately drive this economy into a recession. That has not happened. We spent a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to figure out when this recession will happen because ultimately, at some point, it will have an impact on our commodity prices. But for right now, the market is anticipating the Fed rates to peak at the beginning of next year, then signs of weakness in the economy, signs of uh, inflation under control will allow or force the Federal Reserve to start cutting rates, and they are pricing in Fed rates to be at 4% by the end of 2024, so a full 1% drop in rates. Now that will be, uh, that's their view based on the economics. Uh, it has nothing to do with the debt and the debt response for the federal government. But at some point, that too will be an impact and that will force the Federal Reserve's hand into lowering rates. Now, there was the special video I put out a little over a year ago about recessions and what it means for commodity prices. There is not a direct correlation in the middle of a recession. So we can have a recession. We can have commodity tightness, like I think we could still have. I think right now crude oil prices are headed much higher. I think the world is taking matters into their own hands. They cannot survive at $70, $80 crude. They need higher crude oil prices, and they are going to take um, that to those levels on their own. That, in turn, will force inflation higher. So I think we're about to have another inflationary spike sometime over the next six to nine months, maybe even one year. And then that will probably squeeze the uh, 
the business activity down again, that you will start to hear more and more signs of a recession probably around the first of the year. Uh, that will provide nerves in the stock market and that will ultimately force the hands of the federal government to start lowering rates, Federal Reserve. It is in that cycle when the Federal Reserve starts to lower rates and the dollar starts to fall when commodities may have another melt up, a crack up, like we did in 2008. Remember, in 2008, we were already in a recession. We had been in one for over a year, 16 months, and it was in the middle of that recession when we had the super spike in commodities. That's when crude oil went to $140, corn went to $8, beans went to $17, cotton went to $1 a pound. And so the timing of this is very difficult. There is no 100% correlation, but my point is, Ultimately, I feel like we're about to head toward another inflationary spike. It won't be as big as the last one, but there is one coming. And I think the Fed will be cornered, the Federal Reserve, because they will already have maxed out rates. They will already have maxed out our interest payments. Um, and they will, they will not be in position to do nearly as much as they were this last go-around. And so where it all leads is that I think right now for commodity prices, we have to be very careful about assuming that a recession is going to be bad for commodity prices. Global inventories continue to tighten on crude oil at a very dramatic pace. Um, global inventories for wheat have not improved. For corn have not improved. For soybeans, they have improved slightly. So these balance sheets are very, very important. And at some point, they will manifest themselves into extreme volatility in our commodity cycle, especially if the Federal Reserve is forced to start lowering rates and to deal with a weakening economy and or up against the wall with the federal government's um, interest payments. So I feel like the Fed, unfortunately for them, is getting cornered. And we will uh, certainly see that volatility play out, I believe, sometime in 2024. Right now, my best guess is that in the, there will be a recession sometime in the second half of 2024 that will force the Fed to lower rates, and we could still have a very strong commodity market in that period. But at some point, when the economy rolls over, legitimately, it will impact our prices, and we will have to be forward marketed and as a defense against a possible deeper recession. We're a long ways away from that call right now, but you know I'm keeping an eye on it. And, and I'm not worried about it at the moment, but I think sometime in the second half of 2024, we're going to have to start talking about being marketed for a year or two out. Okay, I hope this helps explain sort of uh, the macro position. Have yourself a wonderful day. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Take care.